This is Mornings with Carmen for this Good Friday on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, her producer. Carmen continues now through music and thought as we together remember the passion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On this Good Friday, we are journeying with Jesus to the cross, and we pick up in this hour in the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to John. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him with a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, striking him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a palace known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, and they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests of the Jews answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul.
Picking up at the 17th verse of the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to John, we arrive at the most horrific of events in all of human history, and yet the hinge upon which all of history now hangs, the crucifixion of Jesus the Christ. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which read, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Walking down the road to Jerusalem Time had come to sacrifice again. My two small sons, they walked beside me on the road. The reason that they came was to watch the Lamb. Daddy, Daddy, what will we see there? much that we don't understand so I told them of Moses and Father Abraham then I said dear children watch the Lamb there will be so many in Jerusalem today be sure the land 
So I told them of Moses and Father Abraham. Then I said, dear children, watch the Lamb. When we reached the city, I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshipers, no joyful songs I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men and then I heard the crowd cry out
I stood for what seemed like years. I lost all sense of time until I felt two tiny hands holding tight to mine. My children stood there weeping. I heard the oldest say, "Father, please forgive us." The lamb ran away. Daddy, daddy, what have we seen here? There's so much that we don't understand. So I took them in my arms, and we turned and faced the cross. And then I said, "Dear children, watch the lamb." Thanks for listening to this special Good Friday edition of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Returning to the narrative in the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to John, picking up at verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now complete and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stick, a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing out a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. Were you there when they crucified? My Lord, were you there when they crucified my Lord? 
Again, thank you for listening to this special Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio for this Good Friday. I'm Paul Perot, Carmen's producer. Carmen will continue with her time of music and thought as we remember the passion of Jesus. Please stay with us. Returning to the narrative in the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to John, we pick up here at verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. 
And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So when we consider the events of what we call Good Friday, you might ask yourself why we call this most horrific day good. We call this day good because it is in the act of the crucifixion of Jesus that the sins of the world are paid for, redeemed. And it is most satisfying to God that you and I would have the possibility of a restored relationship with him through the sacrifice of his own son. And so it is a good day, a substantially good day. And yet it is a day when the most horrific of events took place. And it's hard for us to reconcile that in our minds. It's hard for us to reconcile the events of the crucifixion, the the scourging of Jesus, the mocking of Jesus, the humiliation of Jesus, and ultimately the, the most excruciating of deaths by crucifixion. It's hard for us to reconcile that with the ultimate grace of a good God. And so when you consider the events of Good Friday, consider just how deep and dark and pervasive and real sin is that it would require this kind of atoning sacrifice. God loves us so deeply, so personally, so eternally, that he would literally go to hell and back to save us. So we're going to take one more brief break, and when we come back in the final segment, we're going to address the reality of the grave, and we're going to address what we do between now on this Good Friday and then on Easter Sunday. What, what do we do in between the burial of Jesus and his resurrection? What do you do in the graveyard? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back.
This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for joining us on this Good Friday as together we remember the passion of Jesus. So what do we do in the hours of the graveyard? What do we do when Jesus is in the tomb? What what do you do between the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus? What do we do in what is historically known literally as the mean time? So during Saturday of Holy Week, I want you to consider just how dark the world was on the day after Jesus was crucified before the light of the hope of the resurrection dawned. So you and I have the knowledge of Easter. We have the knowledge of the resurrection. We know that the third day is coming. But I want you to just live for a moment in the context of the grave when the tomb was full and the tomb was not yet empty. And I want you to consider the brokenness and the desperation of the world around us right now that does not know the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the headlines bear daily witness to the taking of innocent life, to the mistreatment of people, to the darkness of human depravity. At a personal level, each one of us is touched by pain and broken relationships and desperate circumstances, disease, and yes, death. And so we ask ourselves in the graveyard, at the tomb, is there hope? Does God yet reign? Or does death just win? The darkness of a day in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is a darkness you can feel. It's a penetrating darkness. And it feels desperately long. It is the day upon which Christians throughout history have kept vigil. And so what might that look like for you to keep some vigil at the grave, in the graveyard, between now and Easter Sunday morning? In order to behold his glory, we have to know the horror of Calvary. In order to experience the genuine hope offered in the resurrection of Jesus, we have to recognize the depth of sin and the cost Jesus paid for it on the cross. So yes, in Christ, we have hope, a hope that is unassailable, substantial, real. It springs eternal. A stone is rolled away. A dead man walks like, right? And he raises us to newness of life. And in that, we have hope. In that hope, we will live. It is that hope that we proclaim, even on the darkest of days. And so I want to talk um, here and give you, give you an image of resilience and just talk about what it looks like for Christians to bear witness to the reality that the sun is rising and the sun will rise, even when people find themselves in the depths of the darkness of death and despair. So I want to tell you a story about two women. When I came in upon them, both of them had faces that were stained with tears. The older woman was holding the younger, and they were rocking slightly. Their shared grief was palpable. I didn't know either of them very well. I knew the younger woman had just watched as her son was buried. It was a grief to which I would attend over coming days and weeks and months and even years, It was a grief that would be observed in the life of our church. But this was sort of the beginning of that journey together. 
Several days had passed since the time that we all stood at a grave and buried her son. And this older woman came to the church and simply said, get in the car. And she said we were going to this younger woman's home. And and she said, Carmen, it's time. And I said, what? And she said, it's time. We need to go. It's time. And so I prayed during our drive over there, admitting to God that I did not know exactly what it was time for. But this wise woman was um, was carrying me along on a journey that I didn't quite understand. This woman knew personally the experience of the younger woman. This This older woman, her name was Betty. She too had buried a child. And so she possessed in this time a credibility that I did not have. I was clearly being brought along that I might learn something. The shared experience might be something that would walk with me into the experience of others. And so that's why I bear witness to it today. So we knocked on the door and my older friend, Betty, did not wait long before simply opening the door because she knew that the younger woman wouldn't come to the door. And she found our sister hiding in the darkness of a house where every blind had been pulled, every light had been turned off. Grief was palpable. There was no hope. And Betty simply held her. And she said, my precious friend, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. I know it's dark, but it's time to get up. You have to get up in the dark if you ever want to see the sunrise. You have to get up in the darkness of your grief in order to really know the power of Christ's resurrection. It's time to get up. There was a lot of sobbing, but over time, a peace entered that house, a peace which passes all naturalistic understanding. Grief was being overcome by hope. And so every year, on the day between the crucifixion and the resurrection, on the day in between the cross and the empty tomb, I return to this profound experience of watching a woman well acquainted with grief, but more well acquainted with the hope of Christ, walk through the valley of the shadow of death to find her sister and convince her to get up in the dark, that she might be at the tomb when the sun rose. And so the day in between is a day of keeping vigil at a tomb. It's a day of counting the cost of sin and the sacrifice of Christ. It is a day of real grief but not as those who grieve with no hope. It makes today a day that Christians get up in the dark as a testimony to the world that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He has overcome the world. As people of Jesus, we stand at the foot of the cross, but we also run breathlessly to the gaping, glorious reality of an empty tomb. Friends, we do not worship a dead man. We worship a living Savior. So even when it's dark, let us be the people who get up, trusting in the one who has risen and risen indeed. Let us be people of light in this weekend, which will feel most profoundly dark to many. And let us keep vigil in the graveyard. We'll be right back. Swallowed all my guilt and shame Now reconciled in Jesus' name What depth of love 
So on this Good Friday, let me encourage you to spend time journeying with Jesus all the way to the cross. Spend time with the disciples. There's a conversation that could be had about where everybody went when everything went wrong. Understand their grief. Visit visit in it. And then attend to the grave and the graveyard and the reality of the grief of death. And wait in hopeful expectation of the stone rolling away. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. This will be my Good Friday greetings as well as my declaration that Christ is risen. And with you, I rejoice in his resurrection. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter and God bless. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride. Shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross, I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him no my soul is satisfied in Him alone. A summer flash, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us. My value fixed, my ransom paid.